Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up, Three Bees? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Dribbles? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here show, Three Swings, podcast about baseball, but it's really about life because my life is baseball. I don't know if that necessarily holds true, but I like to say it to people. What's up, everybody? I hope you're having a good day, whatever day this is, hopefully Wednesday. Today, the day I'm recording it, is Tuesday, so I'm hoping that it's up and in your ears on a Wednesday. Um, appreciate everybody being so kind and not saying anything, at least that I can see about a somewhat erratic, uh, release schedule. I appreciate that. Sometimes life gets in the way and sometimes things happen. Um, this time it was Forever Dog putting out a bunch of new shows. So this is a good reason for this show to be just a little bit behind the, behind the plane, behind the plane. You know that phrase I'm saying. So anyway... I hope you can hear my washing machine in the background. Does everyone know that I record this in my home? If you don't, now you do. I have recorded it in studio, but there's a certain feeling of being on the road, and I don't know. I just like to record it in my house. I like to talk to myself. I'm a big fan of talking. I was driving the other day, and I had the thought to myself, man, I wish I could get paid to talk to people. And then I realized that's exactly what I do. And so I don't know why my brain was like, hey, I wonder if you could do this thing. Guess what, brain? I'm already doing it. Am I getting paid a lot? No, that's okay. Uh, Sometimes we don't get paid a lot to do the things we really want to (laughs) do. So, you know, that's just how it works. Um, What's up with me? Uh, Oh, my fantasy baseball, I've won three in a row. I'm on a hot streak right now playing a hot hand. And... All of a sudden picked up Pedro Strope. I don't know what, you know, sometimes you just got to make mistakes, I guess. Um, But hey, I picked up Chris Paddock a while ago and he is the one guy that I didn't try. I mean, I would say I've stuck by Garrett Cole. I've stuck by Steven Strasburg and Strasburg has paid off. Cole has not evened out yet. (sighs) But. Look, sometimes you pick up Pedro Strope because you missed Will Smith and you missed 
Sean Kelly, and you had Ryan Brazier and dropped him. These are the mistakes you make when you draft two closers in a row on auto draft. Again, I did not do that myself. I would have never chosen to do that. But again, uh, something had other plans for me. But I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the season, I was like, this is over. I quit fantasy baseball. But now my team is all right. They're hanging in there. I picked up some good players because I pay too much attention to this shit. Even though I'm not watching that many games, I'm still like, that is the thing that I do enjoy about fantasy baseball is that you can follow baseball through fantasy baseball. It is perhaps an addiction and perhaps a gambling problem. However, I'm not gambling at this point. I mean, I really honestly thought all was lost. And so I had to like scrape through everything and find decent players and in doing so had to pay attention to different teams. Um, I didn't pick up any Rays, which was really silly of me. I should have picked up Austin Meadows and I definitely should have picked up uh, some other players, but Tyler Glass now was drafted. So there, I had no chance at that guy. However, um, I did pick up Adam Jones, Elvis Andrus, and he's not really hitting right now. I'm not sure if I should keep riding Franco at third probably won't we'll see i did get chirinos and he's hitting home runs hitting dingers curious and concerned about picking up max muncie but it might be a good one i just don't like to research hitting mac or pitching matchups hitters matchups it's so mundane to me but also it pays off i guess And my good friend Arwen Nix, who is the producer of a wonderful podcast called The Big One out on KPCC, which you should listen to right now if you haven't yet, even if you don't live in Southern California, it's a well-produced piece of radio about something we should all probably be prepared for in general, which is a catastrophe. And I don't say this because I'm a doomsday prepper. I was actually driving today thinking about that. That there's nothing wrong with being prepared for bad things. In fact, I would argue that that is kind of the best way to be. Because I spent a lot of my life looking for the bad things and assuming the bad things would happen without any sort of preparation, internal or external, for those said bad things. And therefore, everything was just bad all the time. So I would say that if you're having a hard time with things being bad all the time, I don't know if this will be a relief, but... Unfortunately, throughout all of time, things have been bad. And even in the best of times, we've had the worst of times. It's almost as if these things coexist inherently within existence. And I don't say that to belittle anything, because I am a person who, you've listened to this podcast, I care about shit. I do care about shit, and I think you should care about shit too. However... At a certain point, you have to stop taking the thing personally and realize, oh, there's a lot of shit to do. So my point of Arwen, to get back to that, Arwen went to a game and then she wanted to know if there was a way that she could figure out uh, her attendance at a game, if it would be an exciting game, which to her standards and these standards line up with most people's standards uh, would be with like home runs and hitting the ball. I didn't get into the details of why people aren't hitting the ball as much as they used to or why they're hitting into outs, but I basically said no. However, you could probably look into pitcher matchups and all that kind of rating stuff, but it really seems like you are still playing the lottery. 
So my whole point was, I don't like doing that. And the Dodgers, I don't really like to have too many Dodgers offensive players. And I mean, I have Cody Mellinger in my categories league, which is highly valuable. Um, I, I, they He platoons them so much. I just, it's pointless in a points league, I feel like. But I could also be totally wrong. Um, so anyway, that's my sort of fantasy roundup. And um, bench coach Brett has given me a lot of really good notes. And I'm going to get into those in a minute. But I did want to say, talk about something really quick up top that was like on the internet last week of baseball and that I just neglected to add into the notes. Um, but I thought it was relevant. Um, and like, I don't want to get into it too much like I've mentioned before, like my participation in the internet, I have really adjusted um, and tried to realize that my participation in life is much more important than my participation in social media. And who knows if that's uh, a good or bad thing. I mean, I feel a lot better and that could be because I'm doing other things. It could be because I'm you know, taking drum lessons from a guy who's really kind and treats me nicely and is helping me learn how to play the drums, which is crazy, uh, which is wild, excuse me. Um, or it could be that I just am not on there because I find when I go on the internet, all it does is make me sad or angry. And I don't like feeling those feelings when I don't need to, because I think that those are valuable feelings when they're attached to something real, you know, like if, something in my life has made me sad or something in my life has made me angry, but getting angry about, I I don't, any myriad things, which, Hey, we're going to get into one of them coming up. I just don't see it, it working any it's, it's lost its value in my life. So I do check in every now and then, and I, you know, like post something or whatever, or I'll look, cause I honestly, I do like baseball Twitter. I've mentioned that before. So I'll get on a little bit, and that's kind of all that Twitter shows me anymore because that's the only thing I interact with. I don't interact with all this other shit. It is funny, though. I did see a Joe Biden video. It's so funny how quickly it'll pull me right in. Like, I saw this Joe Biden video about how he thinks young people are so whatever that he has no empathy for young people because things are hard and how his generation changed the world. Well, guess what? You know how I was saying there's good and bad things? Yeah, your generation did change the world. They also really fucked the world. So shut up, old man. The planet is dying. And then that that tweet gets whatever. And it's like, I don't even... It's Who cares? Like the, the internet literally doesn't matter. So my whole point of bringing up the internet was I happened to catch this conversation as it was happening, and I decided not to participate in it because I was like, this is the whole reason that I have a podcast about this sport and faction of life that I enjoy so much is to talk about these things instead of getting wrapped up into a conversation with people who I don't even know if they really exist. So uh, Astros center fielder George Springer um, he, there was a bad strike call. It was Angel Hernandez, who is known throughout all of men's professional baseball to have made heinous strike and ball calls throughout his entire career. So I preface it with the fact that I understand that this guy was upset. I didn't even see the call because it kind of doesn't matter because it's irrelevant because he's probably right. I'm probably on George Springer's side that it was a shitty call. And I'm not saying... Well, I haven't even gotten into it. My point is, yes, there are shitty calls. And 
you know, increasingly with, I don't know, HD and the prevalence of cameras on a baseball field and all sports arenas, there are just more cameras than there used to be. And you used to see guys swearing and it would be like a rarity. You know, it, it really was. When I was a kid, it was a rarity. Or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But to me, it felt like you just really didn't see it. They cut away pretty quickly. And it felt like there were three cameras in the whole stadium. You know, now there's like 20. So George Springer goes back to the dugout and he's still upset. He's like taking his batting gloves off and he says, effing, I'm going to say the word. So fast forward, you know, five seconds or close your ears for a second if you don't want to hear this word, but I'm going to say it because we're going to talk about it. He says, effing cocksucker, and you can very clearly see it. Someone on Twitter whose name I didn't look up so I apologize for not giving credit there, said, hey, George Springer, you might want to cool it with the homophobic comments when you're on television, which then sparked a conversation. I wouldn't say it went viral or anything, but because of how all these algorithms and Twitter wanting to have conversations with each other, this came into my feed and I saw the baseball people having this conversation about it. And then the conversation became about what is and isn't homophobic. If George Springer was homophobic, blah, 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 blah. People defending him, people saying he was homophobic. So I just wanted to get, because this is a word that I hear pretty often, um, specifically in baseball. And I don't know if everybody does know that it is homophobic. That, the the, the phrase, the, the word, the, 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 the thing, the slur, the whatever you want to call it, that is a homophobic phrase. That is what the root of it is. And I would venture to guess that George Springer doesn't necessarily mean it homophobically. I am actually totally fine with being pretty neutral on whether a person using it means it homophobically. And I'm not defending it. Please understand that my I am saying this by saying sometimes people say things just because they've heard them and they don't attach it to that meaning. And I say that because as a kid, and by kid I mean teenager, this is a word that I used to say because I spent a lot of time with boys and they say wild shit. So do girls, but they don't tend to say that wild shit. And so I said it without having any knowledge that it meant gay men. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. So when you realize that a word can snowball out of its original meaning and just become a thing that people say when they're angry, I mean, does anybody really mean what they mean when they say the F word? I mean the F word, not the F bomb, the slur F bomb. Not always. And do I think that George Springer was calling him a gay? I don't. But I also think, yeah, kind of. And there's n- absolutely nothing wrong with admitting to both of those things. And there, there is a conversation to be had around that term being a homophobic slur. And I saw a lot of people debating whether it was or wasn't. And they were just saying, no, he means anybody that does that. Okay, well, if that is the argument then that is a phrase that applies to anybody that does that. And who does that? Everybody. But typically, 
in most people's brains, because most people aren't sitting and thinking as, uh, you know, expansively as those of us within the three swings umbrella are thinking when they say anybody that does that, I highly doubt that they're thinking so far down the road to think, I don't know, uh, trans women, non-binary people, trans men, like I really gender queer people. Like, I don't think they are really saying that. So I do think it bears saying that then therefore the people you are talking about when you use that phrase are gay men and cis women straight by women and therefore you are admitting to the fact that the phrase itself is homophobic which homophobia tends to to have roots in yes you guessed it misogyny so these that phrase is misogynist and homophobic in its etymology maybe not in its dispersion in the moment but the phrase itself does have that so i think (laughs) there's nothing wrong you just have to understand that when someone says that's homophobic they are partially right. And there is nothing wrong with admitting to the fact that, oh, yeah, it is. I I don't know that he meant it that way. But I see your point. No one has that conversation anymore because that's not what the internet is built for. But that is what this podcast is built for. And so that's why I wanted to bring it up. And I just think generally, like, you know, we talk all the time. And when I say we, I mean people who like men's baseball about the right way to play the game. And I play baseball and I say shit and I don't want to swear. I really think, I just think these guys should be watching what they're saying more. I really think they should. We're not, this is not, there's no rating on the game. You're not going into it. I just think it's bad, you know? Like, look, I, I've admitted to liking fights. I like the masculinity of the game. So Sometimes I even like the toxicity of it because it's sports and it's war and it's all this stuff. But at the same time, like, isn't there a point where we have to go like, hey, be better, man. Stop acting like that. Because most of the people aren't. And like, don't stand at the top of the dugout and say that. Go inside and say it to the, your teammates or some shit like that. You know what I mean? And I'm swearing while I'm saying this. But anyway, I'm not... I'm not, like, losing it. I haven't liked George Springer for a while. I mean, I, I respect what he's done um, for, uh, you know, he has, he he's overcome and sort of mediated. He has, like, a, a stutter, which kept him out of social life and, and has, like, sort of, he's made it a, a, a big part of his career, and I respect the hell out of that, that he's helping kids. Um, but in, in, for that, in that, for that reason, like, that's why you shouldn't be saying that stuff because kids look up to you. That's what I always come back to is like, kids are watching what you're saying. Kids are watching what you're doing. You have a foundation that helps kids to overcome stuttering because, um, they feel a little less alone. Well, when you say phrases like that word, some of those kids are affected by that. So there's an overlap there. And I think that we should always be aware of kind of what we're doing and everybody makes mistakes. They really do. Like we all do. I make mistakes. You make mistakes and we should all be able to work towards correcting them and not making them again, at least in the capacity that we already did. And we all have to be open to that. And I think that's just what's missing on the internet. But 
that's why I'm happy to have the conversation here. Not a huge George Springer fan in general because, like, look, he beat my team and, uh, you know, whatever. And I just don't like it. But um, hopefully he doesn't do it again. I would love to not see that happen again. Um, just because, like, I don't want kids to see this shit. Man, if I had kids, I wouldn't want them to hear that. And speaking of kids, I just want to wrap up this intro, which is a long intro, and I appreciate you for sticking around. Um, by saying that I, I went out for practice for my baseball team the other day, and a dad who was, you know, like, in a, I would say late 40s, early 50s, mid-50s maybe, um, and his two kids, two sons, one was high school age, one was younger, showed up because they were trying to find a field. It's very hard to find fields to play on in Los Angeles. And, you know, we invited them to come back when we had a practice, and, you know, I introduced myself, and they said hello and everything, and me and my teammate were, you know, he, he's very friendly, and uh, we were all just talking, and then his wife came up with their, like, less than one-year-old daughter, and he, the dad goes, we finally had a non-baseball player. That's my daughter. And I just didn't say anything because it was a strange moment, and I just was so shocked at that line of thinking. And I, I just, it also put me in my head to go like, well, wow, well, what do you think I am? And then I was like, well, yeah, what do, what are you? <laughs> you, you aren't really a girl, but also like you kind of are. Cause in that moment, I'm like happy to be a girl. Cause I'm like, well, I'm playing baseball. So, cause my impulse, whenever, whenever a, a, a girl shows up around baseball, especially like a young under, like under five, you know, very young kid, I always love to say, wow, that looks like a center fielder to me, or that looks like a shortstop to me, just to like put people on their toes to, to like, just say like, yes, <laughs> you know, not, not to put them in a bad position, but just to be like, yeah, this is a thing, you know, like girls play baseball too. And I just was so bumped, you know, because this guy had been so nice and we were so friendly to him. And like, I mean, I guess he thought I was a guy, which is interesting, you know, um, in that moment. Cause like what else, like there's just, I will tell you in all honesty, there's no way that that person could like computed that I was a non-binary person. So he must've thought I was a dude, which is like, Hey, cool. But also like, that sucks. I hate to hear that shit. And, um, she can hear it and his sons can hear it. And girls aren't non-baseball players. Like she's too young to even do anything yet like that. And you've already like, made up your mind that she's not going to do it just a bummer but i will say the other side of that is then talking to my teammate i just said like man wow that was crazy right and he goes yeah it's so sad and i said yeah it sucks that like his sons are hearing that and he's like yeah it's just so easily perpetuated and it's like not even real and she can hear it too and so there is the positive thing. There is the positivity of it is that there is a person who was there, witnessed it, and agreed with me and was in the same moment as I was and was bummed about it um, because we both love baseball and want people to play it and don't care who those people are, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, that was my my little like share from, from my week. And uh, we'll be back after these lovely ads with some baseball conversation.
whoever does those ad reads really needs to get a promotion. Um, just some wonderful ads. I hope you listen to all of them and I hope you're using all those discount codes. Uh, which, by the way, just a little... If you go on Ebbets and you use Butcher 10, you get 10% off. Anyway, you didn't hear that from me. Uh, the Red Sox were invited to the White House. And on Monday, sports writer Brittany De La Creata... <laughs> Man, I'm so bad at... Look, I'm from Ohio. I apologize. Posted a list of the Red Sox players that have accepted and declined the invitation to visit the White House as World Series champions. Nearly all players of color on the Red Sox, including manager Alex Cora, declined the invitation, but no white players have declined. As De La Creata notes, not one white player is standing in solidarity with them. The franchise should never have let this happen by accepting the White House invite in the first place. This comes on the heels of Red Sox president Sam Kennedy and owner John Henry declaring a new era for the team last year after the Red Sox renamed Yawkey Way, a road adjacent to Fenway Park that was named for a former team owner, Tom Yawkey, who resisted efforts to integrate baseball in the 1950s. The Red Sox under Yawkey were the last team in baseball to sign a black player, waiting until 1959 to call up shortstop Elijah Pumpsy Green 12 years after Jackie Robinson first played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Columnist Adrian Walker published an editorial in the Boston Globe calling for the team to cancel the visit. Red Sox owner John Henry once spoke of being haunted by the legacy left by Yawkey. That statement came in the course of announcing the team's correct and unpopular decision to have Yawkey's name removed from Fenway Park. Now the White Sox are going to the White House while their manager and most of their teammates of color sit home in silent but unmistakable protests. I think someday that will prove haunting too. I mean, there's a lot to process here. There, there just is a lot to process here. It's, it's, uh, you know, we, I have a lot of feelings about it. It's, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't seen any of the players of color straight up say that's what they're doing. You know, it is a silent protest and I'm unsure of how that, how, I, I today I am unsure of how the politics of a clubhouse actually work in terms of racial dynamics um, because I don't know I saw this moment on I was watching a Cleveland game and Tyler Naquin hit a pinch hit RBI walk off single and just his interaction with Andre not it's like I there's got there's closeness right there has to be closeness between uh white players and players of color there there is you're playing you're naked together so they've got to know and yes there is a truth to hey being invited to the white house is a once in a lifetime opportunity that is a real thing however it's a very real thing that this presidency is a criminal b um moving ever so quickly towards a dictatorship um and also just like a fascist regime built mostly on making money i mean the thing is there's a lot of tragedy that has been uh pushed forth through this regime and it is all about the money um it is all about the money which i don't know i mean you know i had this thought the other day like well did hitler want to make money I mean, and I don't even know how I, what, what that, the relevance of that to me is mostly like, I don't know. It's all bad. Like there's no saying which one's worse, you know? And, and am I saying that this is Hitler? No, but I'm also like, there are camps and they're building tent cities on the border 
And just because our country currently is uh, incarcerating people for coming coming into the country, whereas Germany was finding the people already there and rounding them up and putting them in camps. Is that any different than ICE sweeping the country on a regular basis and arresting people? It, it doesn't seem that different to me. It's The names are different, but the action is pretty similar. Um, and so, yeah, going to the White House is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I also just can't imagine going to this White House, you know? I, I think... That's also, all of this is to be said while the Baylor women's basketball team showed the fuck up at the White House and they stood there and they took up that space and stood behind that dude with um, looks on their faces that were meaningful. And so I do think there is a world where you can go to this White House as a protest. I'm not sure that that's what these white players are doing. Um, and I think that there's a conversation to be had around it and it's not happening. Um, and I went pretty far into some, some of the like politics of this white house. And so I apologize for going that, that far into outside issues of baseball, but I just think, you know, everything, all of this is about the money. The white players going is about the money. The, I mean, I, I guess the only thing that isn't about the money is the players of color not going. Um, but maybe it is too. Who knows? Like, they, they, I don't know. I just think that the thing I did want to wrap up is like the news that came out recently that John Kelly is now on the board or the CEO of a company, a private enterprise that runs uh, essentially internment camps for incarcerated immigrants, which is like cool, you know, cool, cool that that's what's happened. Like you become the chief of staff. Uh, and then you just you set up set yourself up for a probably one of the most evil business models I've ever heard of. But you just set yourself up for that. That's this whole thing. The whole it's all about the money. It is about nothing else because to all of those people, money is the most powerful thing. It is all about the money, and they don't want to lose their money, which is why this dude tries to make deals based on money alone when he puts forth these tariffs and literally the only people paying for these tariffs are American people, businesses, workers, everybody. And it's deteriorating relationships that have been built over 20 years because this guy doesn't do that. Anyway, I didn't mean to get this far into politics, but hey, bench coach Brett, <laughs> you wrote the notes. Um, I just think, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think... We're pretty far down the road with all of it, and it's pretty plain to see. And I do think, ultimately, all this being said, ultimately, you go to this White House with a smile on your face, and you are signing on to something. And that is unmistakable. It just is, at this point. Um, doesn't make you an evil person, but it does kind of make you a stormtrooper. It's kind of weird to me that people drive around with stormtrooper stickers on their car. I'm like, why would you want to represent that? Out of all the stuff in Star Wars, and you want to be like a clone in the army of the dark side? Like, what? How? At least be a Darth Vader. That, I can, at least it's an ethos. You know what I mean? But I, I don't understand wanting to just be like an, a nameless clone in an army. And that somehow makes you unique. It's very weird, um, but it's also kind of what these white guys are doing. 
So, you know, I mean, it speaks to a certain type of, uh, you know, liberalism that we sometimes just take for granted that, oh, just because people vote Democrat, they're good people. Like, that's just not true. You know, um, it just isn't true. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than I'm curious to see what their faces look like when they go. Um, I think it's really interesting that Alex Cora isn't going. I mean, I think that that one speaks volumes, you know, when the manager doesn't go, that's a pretty big deal. So, you know, there, there, we can't forget the history, you know, like you, they're not removing, uh, Yaki as an owner in the history of the thing, because I would disagree with that fully 100% because that's not how, um, that's not how you understand things. But removing it from a street name, I think, is totally valuable and a totally a normal thing because you're, it, it removes a, an amount of reverence for someone who historically was shitty. <laughs> you know, like you're that's why we remove Confederate monuments. I mean, they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And like, look, I respect people from the south and but look man it was treason that's not a thing that we value and that we're supposed to value in this country and so we shouldn't be revering people who um committed treason against our country and so you shouldn't be revering people by naming streets after them who didn't want to hire black people it's just not we shouldn't be doing it anymore in fact they should have renamed the street to uh Elijah Pumpsy Green way, which I don't think they did. So, hey, what are you going to do? Just try to do the next right thing, you know? Just try to do the next right thing. And speaking of the next right thing, uh, the Cubs turnaround slash update on the Addison Russell case. Last night's loss being Mondays to the Marlins notwithstanding, the Cubs have already turned around their season after a disastrous start, standing neck and neck with the Cardinals and the Brewers for first place in the NL Central and running up a plus 50 run differential, second in the MLB to the race. The Cubs have had have the best record in the National League since April 7th at 17 and 5. The key reason to the turnaround for the turnaround is the improvement in their pitching led by the red hot Jose Quintana. Since April 8th, the Cubs have had the best team ERA in baseball at 2.48. Do you take this Cubs turnaround seriously? Are they a contender this year and is the NL Central the best division in baseball right now? Starting with the last question first, yes, the NL Central is the best division in baseball right now. I think we've got a good case for the NL West being the second best, at least with the Padres being in the mix. I don't think they stick around for the whole season, although they are giving it a serious run and the Dodgers have serious rotation problems. I think the NL, the AL East is also super exciting to me to have the Rays on top of it in the way that they are. And I will keep talking about the Tampa Bay Rays until they start to suck, and that hasn't happened yet. I think that, yeah, I mean, the NL Central is going to be, is the NL West of last year, where you have these three teams who are not going to falter dramatically throughout the rest of the season. Because I do think it, the Cubs turnaround is legit, and I think it sticks around. Um, I think Chris Bryant's shoulder is a big problem, but he did hit a grand slam the other day. Anthony Rizzo's hitting the ball again. Javi Baez has continued to hit the ball the whole time. They have a solid outfield 
Wilson Contreras is contributing this year, and if their rotation stays even remotely close to 248, they'll continue to have success. So, yeah, I mean, I I think they're a contender for sure, and but I don't think they're I don't think they're a World Series contender. But maybe I don't know. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, and then it also feels. Let's see. And then moving on. So that's 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 my turnaround. I think the turnaround sticks. And they are at least second or first place, sticking with the Brewers and the Cardinals. Uh, moving on, it also feels contradictory to include this in the notes after last week's analysis of the Addison-Russell domestic abuse case. The Cubs' turnaround was one of the biggest stories in baseball this week, but is it even possible to talk about it separately from the Russell case, or is that just an extension of the problem that was discussed last week? For example, talking about baseball as a way of not talking about domestic abuse. This question seems even more pressing this week since reports have come out that Cubs executives are, quote, making a concerted effort to control the narrative with Addison Russell, approving positive redemption stories, and in private going after those commentators who are critical of Russell and the Cubs' approach. This was initially tweeted by Cheryl Ring, a Chicago resident and contributing writer on Fangraphs. Quote, I spoke to one media member who told me they were privately instructed by the Cubs to lay off Russell and threatened with, and were threatened with reprisal if they didn't. Baseball prospectus writer Mike Gianella also tweeted that he had heard similar comments from anonymous sources and Bill Bayer of Hardball Talk wrote that he received confirmation of Ring's report from a media member after publishing a blog Sunday on the subject. The Cubs have denied these allegations while at the same time seemingly confirming them with their actions. Cubs Vice President of Communications Julian Green contacted the editor of Fangraphs in response to Ring's tweet, who told Green that she couldn't do anything about Ring's tweet because it came from a personal account, which sure sounds like a Cubs executive trying to influence coverage of the team in an attempt to deny allegations that the Cubs are trying to influence coverage of the team. That was a quote, by the way. So how do you respond to this if you're a Cubs fan? That's a great question. I would love to find out your thoughts for next week. So please like tweet at us with the rosin bag and just use rosin bag. But if you're a Cubs fan, I would love to hear your thoughts, especially if you're, I don't know, Parker Malloy. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and what is the line between appreciating the on-field success and criticizing the management? How do you make a distinction when the problems within an organization run this deep? I mean, man, those are the, those are the questions, right? It's, hey, uh, this has been a major thesis of this podcast. Can you separate these things? And this seems like a lot, a lot. I mean, I, I do understand, you know, I am, I am occasionally interviewed for things and, um, the people who interview me, journalists and things like that will ask if there's anything that they... They, I don't want to answer or I'll pass on certain questions. And I do feel people are allowed a certain level of privacy around these things. However, I think a beat reporter who is not necessarily doing interviews, specifically a baseball beat reporter, because there's many people who do that job. Um, I think that if they are writing on their own about this issue management then going out of their way to say hey quit knock it off is um pretty scary and weird and creepy and speaks to their level of commitment to uh movement on the issue and rehabilitation as a, and instead wanting to sweep it under the rug and only say like oh wow he's redeemed himself well by doing what like i was saying last week so 
to me, it's really hard to separate that. I mean, their success right now is not contingent on Addison Russell's playing, but I, they've made it very clear that he's coming back and will be playing second base. Um, so he comes back and they're successful. It's going to be really sad to watch a stadium full of people clap for him to come back. You know, it just is going to be really sad. I know it's going to happen. And I mean, there's going to be people in there that aren't going to be clapping. I guess ultimately for me is the frustration is why, why don't we see yet the value in doing the right thing? Why don't we yet see the value in admitting our faults and and knowing when we're wrong admitting it accepting it and apologizing for it why don't we see that like doing the the right thing is good you know i just don't understand why is doing the bad thing or doing the lesser thing or dismissing the thing why does that still feel good to people you know i guess that's what's sad to me is that you could do the right thing, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to do the right thing. I'm not, (laughs) trust me, (laughs) I have had to do the right thing at times when I did not want to do it, but I did it and I didn't always do it right. And I didn't always do it good. Well, I shouldn't say right. I didn't always do it good, but there is something to be said at trying, you know, there is something to be said at humbling oneself and doing the next good thing and taking it slow. But I don't see these baseball teams and I don't see men's sports in general doing the next good thing. They are just trying to hide everything because it's all about the money. Again, it's always, it's always about the money and they just would rather hide than face it. And it's sad it's honestly sad. And this is many teams. The Astros did the same thing. Yankees have a oldest Chapman. Cubs had a oldest Chapman before. This has been an issue with Addison Russell. It's been an issue with the Red Sox last year. It's just, it's an issue. And so, I mean, to me, it's a much more rampant issue than PEDs and a way worse issue because, you know... I I just that's what I come down to. You can you can accidentally take performance enhancing drugs, but you cannot accidentally abuse another human being. That's just not an accident. Um so I just I really think that it is one of the more important issues in baseball. And if I was commissioner of baseball, it would be my first order of business. And my second order of business would be uh female uh, and non-binary gender non-conforming umps and then uh my third order of business would be uh to give more money to the u.s national women's baseball team (laughs) and um then you know what my other stuff would be i'm not gonna say it on here because like look i respect softball so we'll be right back after this with some rosin bag questions so please stick around
we're back. Just again, some really wonderful reads. And I do want to let everybody know because I forgot to say it up top. And up top is the best place to put it because most people listen to the beginning of the show. I I think. I'm, I'm not sure. Sometimes people skip the beginning of shows. But I feel like my beginning of show is so irregular that you've got to be listening to it, right? Anyway, um, if you are a person who lives in the South, guess what? I'm coming to two of the states that you have. Um, I am going to be in Alabama, in Birmingham at the Stardome on Tuesday the 21st. That's at 7.30 p.m. You can get tickets at my website, riabutcher.com. And the next night, Wednesday, May 22nd, I'll be at Stand Up Live in Huntsville, Alabama. That one's at 8. And then on the 23rd of May, that's a Thursday, I'll be at Zany's Nashville. And that show is at 7 p.m. A nice matinee if you will for comedy um but i think it's gonna be a lot of fun you can come right after work and then i'll make you laugh and then you can go home and go to bed early and like catch up on game of thrones i don't know um so please come to those shows again those tickets are at riabutcher.com i will also be at the solid sound festival on saturday june 29th that is I'm not sure what time I'm going to be on, and you just have to buy a a pass that's in West Adams, Massachusetts at the beautiful Mass Mocha. Please come out to that. It'll be a lot of fun. There's a lot of other really great artists. It's the Wilco Festival. John Hodgman will be there. I think Abby Jacobson will also be there. So please come to that. And then the next night, guess what, Boston? I'm going to be at Laugh Boston on June the 30th, which is a Sunday at 8 p.m. I'm missing baseball for you. Maybe. I might have a bye week. Who knows? Then... Cleveland, Ohio. I will be at you on Sunday, July 7th at the Hannah Theater in Playhouse Square for All-Star Weekend. And Cleveland will be out of town that night. So you should come see me in preparation for the All-Star Game. I might go to Fan Fest. I might be hanging out. I'm not going to go to any of the festivities because that shit is really expensive. So I won't be going. But please, Cleveland, Akron, Canton, surrounding areas... Youngstown, Boardman, uh, Green, (laughs) Rocky River, Westlake. Come to my show at the Hannah Theater in Playhouse Square. And again, all those tickets are at riabutcher.com slash live dates, and you can get them right there. Now, on to your Rosenberg questions. But first, another RB. I, I finally got my Whole Foods 365 organic cane sugar root beer in a can. I got a single can at the store. And guess what? So far, it's my favorite root beer. Very simple, smooth taste, not too much sugar, and not too much root, and no beer, so it's good for me. <laughs> so, uh, so far, favorite one. Boylan's is number two, Dad's is number three, and then I Cameron Ramblin's is going to be all the way down at the bottom by the time we're done with all this. So moving on to the Rosenbag questions, we've got J Inch. Hey, Three Swings Pod. I love all the terms commentators come up with to describe the game. Can of corn, frozen rope, etc. Do you have any favorites? I have many favorites. Um, I'm a big fan of ground ball with eyes because I've experienced many of them. Um, I also really like dinger. <laughs> dinger is one that gets used in my baseball league a lot. Um, and even though we don't have a lot of dingers, dinger is what Nobody calls it a homer. Everybody calls it a dinger. Um, And also, uh, last year during the NLCS, I had some friends over to watch. It was Dodgers at Brewers with Kershaw pitching and Brandon Woodruff hit that 
dinger off of him and my friend called it a dong and i really liked that too it was a lot of fun uh but can of corn was a fun one when i learned it with my friend we were shocked and we laughed a lot which is something that's wonderful about childhood is that something so simple as can of corn can make you laugh for an entire night and i do miss those days in my brain um they'll maybe come back we'll find out Neo AC 18 in a categories league where I am getting destroyed in steals. Uh, I traded Walker Bueller and Jimmy Nelson for Kyle Friedland and Victor Robles. Did I do all right to get value for Bueller? I'm not sure if that's a good one. Um, getting destroyed in steals. Um, Delino to shields is a good pickup for that. If you need some steals, uh, if you didn't already get like Cody Bellinger or something like that, no, nobody really steals anymore. Billy Hamilton, maybe. Um, I think, I mean, Kyle Freeland hasn't been pitching like he was last year. I don't know. I, my inclination is that you did not, uh, which I'm sorry to say, but I got to be honest on this show. And I, I would have held on to Walker Bueller for sure, because that is a pitcher that I wish I, I had. Um, so I don't think you did. And that's just my, anybody else wants to chime in, I'm happy to hear it. But I think I would have held on to Walker Bueller for that, for sure. And then Ian Whitey asks, how important is it to follow the unwritten rules of baseball? Well, I mean, it depends on what your unwritten rules are. I wish you would have outlined some of them because I don't know what they are. But I mean, I think it's important because I think it's important to follow the unwritten rules of life. And the unwritten rules of life are also written rules of life. But nobody seems to read them or do them after reading them. So I think that there is a right way to play the game, which is happily, you know? I think there is really only one right way to play the game. Um, and I've been doing a lot of learning about that recently in my life. And the only way you can do it is by showing up in kindness and joy, even if you're unhappy, you know, if you're not feeling good, like I, I, but I played two games, both games were losses for the team I was playing for. I didn't get a hit. I didn't get on. I don't think I got on base. I just did not play well, but I wasn't mad. I wasn't necessarily overjoyed, but I was happy to be there. And I think that's really all that you can ask for, you know? I don't know that there is more to life than that. Because once you start simply being happy to be there, grateful to be there, other things happen. And other people feel better. You see different things. And life becomes about the gratitude. And life becomes about being happy to be there and that doesn't mean that everything that i do is perfect and good it, it in fact it means the opposite but i am grateful for the opportunity to do those things i'm grateful to have a new understanding and i'm grateful to have somebody after one of my games say hey uh i'm free all week if you want to go hit the cages and go oh because and have the thought that he's like oh because i suck and then I go, no, that's not what it is. It's because he sees that you're good and you want to play. 
Or not even that he sees that you're good, that he sees that you, you're into it and he's into it. So let's go. And that is a huge shift in my thinking. Even though the old thinking comes up, I don't go towards it. I go, I give myself that extra space and with something else rushes into that extra space and it's powerful. So yeah, I I agree with the unwritten rules of baseball. My unwritten rules of baseball, which is that you should be happy to be there I mean, I can't believe that I get to do it, you know? That that dad that I talked about earlier really bummed me out. But I also, like, got to play baseball for, like, two hours with my friends who were nice. And uh, I made a bunch of great plays. It felt really good. It just felt good to do. It wasn't about, like, getting it on Instagram and having everybody... And then telling you on this podcast. That's not why I'm telling you. Because I want everybody to think I'm a great baseball player. Because if you see me again, if I get a chance to throw another first pitch, I'll probably screw it up. Because... Because that's what happens and it's okay. You know, I'm not talking about how well I played because I want everybody to think I'm some great baseball player. I'm talking about it because it's an experience within a greater experience of life. And that's what baseball is to me. It is an experience of life and it keeps going on. Somebody asked me today, I'm talking to my dad today. How are the Yankees doing? What should I say about him? And I said, well, they're doing pretty well despite being pretty hurt. <laughs> but that's like her language too, you know? She She's trying to talk to me about this language and understand. She, she misses it and she's trying to get back into it. And it's a new way for her to talk to her dad again. These are great things. These are wonderful, happy things. These are happy and joyous things. And it's free. We don't have to pay for it. You could just show up and be happy. And it's a hard thing to do right now. Everything seems like the end of the world. It could be. So how are you going to spend your last moment on Earth? Are you going to be happy or are you going to be angry? I've spent a lifetime hearing people say this shit to me, and I, I thought it was the dumbest shit I'd ever heard in my life. But eventually you hear it and you go, oh, yeah, you're right. When I was in graduate school, which I dropped out of, which is a decision that I spent a lot of time really depressed about, some professor that I never had, I think I literally talked to him this one time. I was sitting on the stoops, probably smoking rolled cigarettes. Don't do that. Nicotine is a dangerous drug. <laughs> cigarettes are very bad for you. I actually just celebrated, uh, what is it, uh, eight years nicotine and tobacco free, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, I use the easy way method by Alan Carr. I listened to the audiobook. So um just passing that along. If you're if you vape, try to get off of it. It ain't good for you. Anyway, um this guy came up to me and he just he must have seen, you know, what was happening for me. I didn't say anything to him. But he just said to me, like, you know, you are the place. And then he walked away and I was like, whatever. But it's true. You are the place. If everything sucks and you're like, everything sucks, well, guess what? Everything sucks. But if you're like, huh, a lot of this shit sucks, but I also get to play baseball or I also have running water in my house or whatever, like that, then that means that's also true. So there is good to be had. And I do think 
it's important to follow the unwritten rules of baseball because you never know what they are. And I used to say this about performing a lot, but I actually think that it's a good way to look at life. And you can look at it superficially, or you can look at it a little bit deeper and a little more spiritually. One time, Joe DiMaggio was asked by a reporter, hey, Joe, why do you play so hard every game? And he said, well, somebody might be seeing me for the first time. Now, you can look at that superficially and say he wanted to look good to everybody. Or he wanted to show up for that person who might be seeing him for the first time. Because if you show up for that one person, then you're showing up for all those other people. Whether they see you or not. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I really like doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. And I want to keep doing it. So please rate and review Three Swings on whatever platform you listen to it on. Um, you can follow Forever Dog. And you can follow me on Instagram at Rhea Butcher. And on Twitter, I get on there every once in a while. Um, you can also get uh, t-shirts on Public. So please support the podcast that way. Uh, there's like ringer tees, t-shirts, long sleeve tees. I got a hoodie. I got a t-shirt. I got a baseball shirt. I got a notebook. I got a mug. I got a phone case, but it doesn't cover the top or the bottom. So go for that protective version. Just saying. Um, there's like stickers and all kinds of stuff. So please support the podcast that way. And a, a lot of people uh, have, uh, you know, tweeted and Instagrammed out their shirts for the podcast. And it's really cool to see people with their like jerseys and then have a three swing shirt underneath it. It's really cool. And the art is by little friends, my pals, little friends of printmaking. I love their shit. They're really wonderful human beings. So it's a great way to just support an independent thing um, that I like to do out of happiness and joy. So as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>